Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. Today on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption, part two of our two-part series on raising and parenting a child adopted at birth. So there are dozens and dozens of formalized styles of parenting, but we narrowed it down to four common ones Mm -hmm. that we can go more in depth into. All right, so let's start with authoritarian parenting. It could be described as a strict approach to parenting. Parents can set high expectations, firm rules without offering kids much support and asking for their input. This parenting style can be characterized by a lot of rules. There may be an extensive list of rules a child may be expected to follow, and it takes a children-should-be-seen-and-not-heard approach. It also uses harsh consequences when rules are broken. So authoritarian parenting is really, I think, best described for those of you that aren't familiar with it, kind of as that military-esque parenting, that Mm -hmm. very, you know, you set a boundary, you don't cross it. Right. Here are the rules, here's the restriction, and it's it's very, very, very... Regimented. Yes. And there is little to no deviation. Right. Now, as a young father, this is, I think what I wanted to be. I wanted to set out the rules and stick to them. You know, you do not deviate. Now, was I that way? No, I wasn't. Not what, what would make them, what would make somebody want to be the authoritarian parent? Maybe because it sounds like it's going to be easier. Like if I set up these restrictions and, and, and completely, um, make sure everybody sticks to the restrictions. It's easier than if I have none of that and everything's chaos. It, it, in your mind, you think, okay, that should be easier. But in reality, that doesn't work that way. Life isn't that way. Life is full of chaos. So you can't regiment say, every aspect. Yeah, I would say, I think authoritarian parenting takes a lot, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I think it is... Um, it's often very scrutinized and are there good aspects of it? Sure. There are, you know, aspects that I don't subscribe to, but there, there are some absolutely good traits that come out of it. And yes, uh, there is some kids thrive with structure, with that really strict structure. But as a parent, you have to have a lot of consistency, a lot of diligence. You have to have a lot of self 
control and a lot of energy in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go through these kind of briefly and then let's go back and kind of examine them. Okay, so next up is attachment parenting. It could be described as methods aimed at promoting the attachment of the parent and infant by maximum parental empathy and responsiveness and by continuous bodily closeness and touch. This parenting style may also nurture the belief that infants come pre-programmed with the need to be nurtured and stay physically close to their parent for the first few years of life, which would allow a focus of nurturing connection that parents can develop with their children. That that's the one that I actually identify with the most is, you know, I was the, the, uh, co-sleeper with my kids and I was the somewhat granola mom that was still, uh, nursing her babies until they were two and a half. You know, Mm -hmm. I was that, um, always had them close to me, you know, just, they say that, you know, this, this nurturing, um, keeping them close to you, you know, right. increases the the bond between the mother and the child. And you're able to know your child's like, I knew when my children were hungry before they knew they were hungry. You know what I mean? And it's true. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a rhythmic system that you get into. And so that's the one that, that I have always identified more with. Okay. Um, you know, I, I always slept better when my child was next to me. Really? Because absolutely. And well, yes, because if they weren't, then I was getting up and having to go in the room, you know, three or four times a night and check, make sure they're still breathing and, you know, just make sure everything is still okay. And yeah. so what was I the remember, cutoff age, like 14, <laughs> 18, Ron. No, okay. Right. Um, when they're ready to go out of the house, you'll finally let them sleep in their own room. I would say it changed with some of the kids. Um, my, my oldest was in my room until she was probably two and a half. And okay. then at two and a half, um, I was, she was my first child. And, you know, I, I want to be open because I'm sure other parents can relate. I was always nervous mm-hmm. with her being in the other room. So then I would go and bring her in and just like put her like on a little like bed on the floor in our room, just, just in case something happened in the middle of the night. I, I wanted to make sure I could get to her because right. I knew that if there was a fire in the middle of the night, I wouldn't leave the house without her. And so that way, if she was there, I'd know that, you know, I could grab her and we could go. And then uh, with my second child, I, she was in our room until she was one. And then my ex-husband at the time really wanted her to go to her own room. Mm-hmm. But then uh, when she turned one is when I got pregnant with my third child. And uh, she was in our room until she was six. <laughs> wow. And then Aiden, my youngest, uh, will still some nights come sleep on the couch in our bedroom if he's allowed to. Right. So, I mean, I just, I, I think that it's something that I did not do with my adoptive parents. That wasn't something that they believed in, you know, sleeping with kids in the room. And it's something that I found very um, soothing for me and my child. Especially because I was breastfeeding for so long. So that just made it easier. Now, did did your son sleep in your room? Uh, he actually it was kind of a point of contention when he was very, not very young. I mean, obviously, as an infant, he was sleeping kind of in a crib in our room. Um, mm-hmm. But You never I, had the co-sleeper? You didn't have the co-sleeper? The co-sleeper, like in the bed. No, no. Uh, the co-sleeper, it's like it attaches to the bed. So it's the same level as a mattress. But it's like a raised playpen. So it's for, like a sidecar like, on a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> for your bed, where your child. Yeah. No, we did not have that. No. 
But then when he got older and was able to get out of the crib, um, he slept with us in our bed. And yeah. like I said, that was a point of contention. It was kind of like, wait a minute, this is our bed. The child has a, the child. My son has a room of his own. Now, it's close enough. It's not like down the hall and across. Oh, you know, we didn't have to go over a bridge and take a helicopter to his room. <laughs> it was right there next to our room. So I didn't understand why my ex-wife was like, no, he's got to sleep in here again tonight. No, he needs to start getting, see. And, and as a mother, I was exactly like that. Yeah, I was exactly like that. And I wanted and him to funny. start becoming independent as a child, you know? But, but I, but again, as a mom, I can relate with her because I was very much the same. Right. And yes, more mornings than not, you wake up and you and your child and your spouse are now in the letter H. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep i know exactly and, what, that's where our dogs are right now as a matter of fact in the morning so it's like what? yeah okay. so you have now formed the capital h yeah. uh, so yes <laughs> i i very much can relate to and understand and i i think that it's neither right nor wrong it's just yeah. what your preference is and you know i was one of those moms that always wore my babies you know i always had the front packs and i would uh you know, always, like I said, have them as close to me as possible. And it was just, again, when you are nursing a baby, it, it is easier when they're obviously right there, sure. but it was just, it was, it was a comfort zone for both of us. Mm -hmm. And it is usually, in my opinion, the spouse that is like, I think they can go to their own bed. And then the mom is like, Ooh, not quite yet. Right. And I think that's part of what we had talked about earlier, where you, it helps to have, if you are a couple, it helps to have each other not only on the same page on some aspects, but also to complement each other and balance each other two, out. Yeah, balance. That's exactly it. Balancing. And I think that helps to have, you know, one that's a little more strict and let's follow these rules. But the other one going, nah, you know what, let's bend this rule and she can sleep in the bed with us one more night or, you know, and kind of have that balance. And I think it's important. Yeah. And just look the other way when that one more night becomes 30, because that's <laughs> often what would happen. <laughs> um, 30 weeks. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? <laughs> absolutely. You know, my, my brother, uh, he has three, uh, my doctor brother, he has mm -hmm. three young kiddos and, you know, they're five, two and almost one. And they have all of them in the bed. Right. And they're trying to get the five-year-old out of the bed. And so it's, it's not working out so well from what right. I understand, but How come I, I got to get kicked out they get to stay. because, you know, as a mama, you want all your babies with you. Mm -hmm. And of course your husband too, but you want all, you know, you want all your babies and it just brings peace and comfort mm -hmm. to everybody. So that's the side as a mom I see, but I can see the other side too, right. where, you know, the husband's like, well, I'm here. <laughs> well, and it's not even just that. It's not just. I'm here. I want to have time with my wife or, you know what? It's also, okay. Our job is to raise these children up and learn to live and think and become independent for themselves. And this is a step in that direction. And so you do need both sides. You need the nurturing, but you also need that raising up and saying, okay, these are the guidelines and this is how you're going to become an adult yourself. So I think that's right. where I was at. I wasn't like, get them out of here so I can spend time with my wife. It was, okay, my son needs to become a man someday. And this is a step in that direction. 
Right. And then a, a, an attachment minded mother would say yes, but not at one year old. <laughs> Come on, he's, <laughs> he's three and a half weeks. It's time. Why doesn't he have a job? <laughs> Eagles push him out of the nest about this time. We're right. good. <laughs> they turn out pretty good, right? <laughs> a flyer, he won't. <laughs> <laughs> So permissive parenting may also be described as a nurturing parenting style, but may carry a tendency to be a little more relaxed and inconsistent in the rules and discipline department. This style has been characterized by a parent wanting to be their child's buddy or friend, not as an authority figure. This style can be very loving, but may also fail to provide guidelines and rules. It can be looked at as having a nurturing style, but, you know, also that relaxed. There can be inconsistency, wanting to be your child's buddy and their friend rather than their parent. This can be a very loving relationship, but oftentimes the hard part with it is, is that you are not viewed as a parent, you know, oh, my mom won't care if we're two hours late. She's cool, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, that's where trouble can happen. And so I think that, you know, like authoritarian parenting, there are all good aspects and bad aspects in that as well. And I can say that um, sometimes I, you know, can probably be more relaxed in the rules than my spouse can be. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, he likes, you know, the more, like you were saying, more strict, more structured. And, you know, I was much more like that with my oldest daughter and she kind of wore me out. So now I'm a lot more relaxed than I was with the first one. Because they always Mm -hmm. say, you make your mistakes with the first child. (laughs) And, uh, but she got the good car. So, you know, it all makes sense. There's trade-offs, right. And finally, authoritative parenting, which could be described as setting the expectation level high, but also providing the resources for their child to obtain success. This parenting style is encumbered by resources, love, support, and guidance, Authoritative parenting can be exhibited by listening to their child and providing love and warmth alongside limits and fair discipline. And then authoritative parenting is probably where most of us would love to be. Um, It is, you know, where you set the bar and then you give your child all the resources to get to that bar. Mm -hmm. And you're the supportive, you are loving, supportive, guiding, you are listening and working along beside them. And that is a goal. Right. That's a goal. And Um, here's, so when we started this and I talked about authoritarian parenting and I thought before I was a parent or, you know, as my wife was pregnant and we were heading that direction, that's where I wanted to be. But now looking back, I hope that I was more of the authoritative parent as opposed to that. And I, I do. I think that. it's kind of a mix of all four of them that you really sure. ideally want to be. Sure. Oh, you know? absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, you, you know, you're the attachment type of parent until you decide you're done nursing and then you're no longer, you know, come here, sweetheart. You know, it's, it's, right. it's more, you know, what are your room? No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, Yes. And, and I can tell, you know, with your personality, I I would, yeah, I don't see you as a strict, you know, military-esque parent. I I see you much more um, as an authoritative parent, maybe, where you are helping, you know, your son with his homework and encouraging to do the extra credit and helping him when he gets stuck. And like one of the weekends that I had him years ago, he came to our house And I had to 
redo the ditches and put the boulders in the ditches in the front yard. And so the both of us, we were out there doing that. And I was like telling him, okay, this is what we call hard work, son. And <laughs> this is something you're going to have to learn. And I would rather have you learn it with me. And we had a great time. We joked around. We had fun. But we got the job done. And he still will look back at that time and go, Dad, I'm glad that we did that with the rocks. First of all, it was hard work. And I learned to appreciate the value of that. But also, every time I come over here, not now because we've changed it again. But every time I come over here and see that, I think we did that. And I was always proud of that. And I was proud that he understood that. And what would you give to go back to that moment? I would, if I could handle it backwise, I would do it every weekend now just because it was fun working with him, you know. But we have other things we can work on that aren't so backbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those are the memories, though. Oh. That, and that's a great example of authoritative parenting. That's a great example. And I think that you just even explaining it like that set the bar really high because oh. I, I love it when I see my husband and my sons working together. Right. You and know, I see um, it all the time too with Adam and, and, and the kids and he's, he is a great parent. So it's neat watching him with interact with the kids like that. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I do, I love it. I, you know, when I walk out front and you know, all three of them have their shirt off and they're working hard and sweating and doing it. You know, it just, it just makes me smile, you know? And then now Aiden's at the age where he can jump in and help and he'll pull his shirt off too and run around. And it's, it's cute because (laughs) all these different generations of young men. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, another example, I think of authoritative parenting is, uh, and I'll use Adam as an example again, is Mm -hmm. when our youngest uh, Aiden, uh, who's almost nine, he'll be nine this week. He's been in basketball for a few years and you know, my husband is one of those that likes to coach from the sidelines Mm -hmm. and he, he, he's very vested in, in athletics. I mean, very, very vested and on his own initiative decided, you know what, I got to get off the bench and be the co-coach so that I'm not coaching from the sidelines and I can show Aiden for, you know, the hard work that he puts in, I'm going to put it in right beside him. And so I thought that that was incredible. That's and, amazing. Um, it he's yeah. You got to come to one of his games whenever this whenever COVID nineteen kind of dissipates and there are games again. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to come to one of his games. They're uh, they're fun to watch and they're great because they're forty five minutes. So you're not there for hours. So it's right. even better. And they keep so, you awake. It's not a recital where you're like, oh, when's my kid gonna play his flute so I can get out of here. The five minutes that your child plays versus the hour and a half that you have to cycle through right. and they put in the brochure. Yeah, the basketball you keeps you away. Leave. Yeah. <laughs> when your child is done. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the only way that you can escape that little caveat is if you have like a young baby. Oh, I'm sorry. My baby's going to cry. I got to go. You know, <laughs> without that, you're out of luck. Right. <laughs> so, there are so many similarities to parenting a biological child in comparison to to parenting an adopted child. So parenting love should always be unconditional, Mm -hmm. always, always and forever, whether, you know, your child is, you should love your child the same amount when they're at their worst as you love them when they're at their best. Right. 
choosing your core values. You know, what is important to you that you want, no matter what instilled in your child, whether it is, you know, a sense of family, right versus wrong, respect, self-discipline, honesty, generosity, empathy, those values, um, consistency, whether it's an adopted child or a biological child, Mm -hmm. stay consistent. And this is something that I will admittedly, I struggle with because I look at my, my kids' personalities and they're very diverse. And so in some instances, I will be on a consistent string. Like I'm consistent. I've got this. And then I can see things from another angle. So then I start to justify, oh, well, you know what? She might do better if I change this. Or maybe I just don't have the energy today to reinforce that. And so that's where I can struggle as a parent. And I will tell you that I am not known for consistency. And that is something that I am, you know, parenting wise working on because I very much am kind of go with the flow, you know, like today it works tomorrow. We tried, it didn't work. Let's try something else. Right. And, you know, my husband's still on the, the, you know, the rat maze of, Oh no, 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 we're going this direction. And I'm like, Oh no, now we're over here. (laughs) So (laughs) that's, that can be very confusing for the opposite spouse and not a positive. Um, you know, I, we, as, as a family, we were going through, I mean, with eight of us, you can imagine water bottles were everywhere mm-hmm. because, you know, kids would grab one and they wouldn't write their names on it. Even though we printed out stickers, you know, we tried the whole gamut. We printed out <laughs> stickers so that that way somebody wouldn't drink after somebody else, because I have some germaphobes as kids, mm-hmm. myself included. And if they thought somebody else drank out of it, they weren't going to touch yeah, it again. We're just throwing this away. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we would go through water bottles like they were going out of something. We couldn't keep them stocked. Costco mm-hmm. pallets, pallets of them. Yeah. Right. And so I said, okay, no more. We're wasting water bottles. We're not doing this. We're going to go to glass water bottles with the, um, the insulation thing around it. Oh, right. It's like, right. This. and I thought, okay, so I'll get everybody their own and I will, I will in Sharpie write their name on it. Okay. That lasted about two days. And then I found <laughs> they had pulled the insulation thing off, thrown it over there. The mm-hmm. jar was on its side, you know, and they were then, um, you know, they couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, so I can't that have didn't... any water. I don't know where my thing is. Right, exactly. And what am so I going to do? Didn't... I'm going to die of thirst. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> so then, um, you know, we're still buying water bottles because when people come over, friends come over, you know, it's so then we that, find right. now they're sneaking water bottles. But how can you say something? I mean, your child's sneaking a water bottle. What do you right. mean? It's so not a beer for crying out loud. Water right. bottle? <laughs> <laughs> so you can't go there. So then we <laughs> we went to then cups. So then we went to the cups, the the, the red light tumbler throwaway cups. And again, mm-hmm. we pulled the stickers back out. That didn't work. So our latest uh, venture is we a month ago purchased a water, like a water dispenser where they bring the big jugs every mm-hmm. two weeks mm-hmm. and we put it in the kitchen and I put little mini, almost like Dixie cups next to it for when you just want a little bit. Right. And throw. It. And then I told the kids they can use tumblers. Okay. Well, because we are on lockdown, I'm sitting in my daughter's room and there are six water bottles that I can see just being in here. <laughs> so that's obviously not working. It's not working. 
So we will get this figured out. And here's one thing I want for the podcast. I want to follow the great water scandal of 2020 and see where this goes. And if you ever get a solution, because I'm dying to know now. We don't have that issue. It's me and Lisa alone in the house now. My son has a hydro flask thing that he carries with him everywhere. That's all he uses. And we have the purified water osmosis thing so he can fill it up. Everything's good when he's up here, which has been too long since the COVID-19. But we have that problem squared away. There's only one kid. There's only two adults. And Ron, we've tried the hydroflasks yeah. in addition to the jarred ones. We've tried that. Yeah, you've tried everything. But you've got 8,000 kids in the house at any given time. Well, not anymore, but so now it's down to seven kids at a time base, or six, really. Right. Um, but I'm dying to know if you ever come up with a viable oh, solution wait. that handles this. Oh, you found more bottles, it looks like. Look at that. I got more. <laughs> and <laughs> at home, you guys can't see this, but Kelly's got an armful, practically a pallet oh. from Costco full of uh, water bottles. Are they gone? all empty? Most of them, yes. Oh, okay, good. At least they're empty. And that's in one daughter's bedroom. Pen. Pen. Yeah. Right. Pen. And even pen. Pen bottles. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah. All right. So another thing is, is practicing what you preach. Modeling what you're, you're telling your children is always. Also prioritizing, you know, triaging issues. So when I have, you know, when one kid's in crisis with something at school, in other words, you know, if our 11-year-old comes home crying because somebody was saying mean things to her at school and picking on her. And so I'm sitting down with her and trying to work it out and figure out a solution so that we can go at it, you know, at an angle that, you know, doesn't make her look like she's telling on somebody, but yet she can try to, you know, kill her with kindness and working out, you know, that's going on. And then mm -hmm. I may have another one that has missed two assignments in her class and her teacher's texting me. And so I'm just, triaging you know what I mean like putting okay. out fires all over the place right. yeah and so you just gotta start with the biggest fire and, and and work your way down and then at you know 9 30 10 o'clock when all of the little birds have been put in there <laughs> you can shut the drawer and go to bed yep. <laughs> if you're um, lucky so depending on factors and variables you know your belief in parenting styles and Parenting a biological child in comparison to parenting an adopted child is not really a whole lot different. Mm -hmm. It's it, and again, we're talking about a baby that you have raised since birth that you brought home from the hospital. I, I want to remind you that the focus is really what you add into the parenting rather than what you would take away. So when you bring a newborn baby home and you've adopted this child, it's really recommended to not pass the baby around because you want to bond with that baby. So initially, you know, make sure that you're not having a, a sip and see right away where people come over and want to hold the baby and give you presents and wait a couple months for that bond with the baby first. Um, you know, remember the nature versus nurture debate as the child grows up, the child may have different likes than you do different characteristics, different talents. And as an adoptive parent, it's your job and role to help them develop those. You know, if your dream was, you know, I, I've always been a dancer and I want my child to be a dancer and your child has two left feet, you know, maybe <laughs> switch, you know, right. change your dream a little bit. Yeah. 
And, and that's something to think about. Don't necessarily alter your parenting style or change it because your child was in quotes adopted. Alter or change your parenting style because it would be a better match for your child. You know, if you have a very with, you know, withdrawn child, a very shy child, a very meek and introverted child, an authoritarian parenting style is not going to be a good mix or match with parenting that particular Absolutely. child. Absolutely. Right. Try to let the word adopted go. Focus on the child rather than on the adopted. Also, be mindful of not falling into, well, if he was my biological child, I would. Because then again, you're inserting that separation. Teach what a family is from the beginning, focusing on things like love and dedication and cohesion and commitment rather than just biology. When I was reunited with my my birth mother, she kept talking about the bloodline and the blood and you're my blood and you're this and you're that. And that wasn't something obviously I heard growing up because I was in an adopted home. But it's just as important to instill what a family is. I mean, when, when you marry your wife or you marry your husband, you're not blood related and yet you're still a family. So that's a good way to kind of explain it to the child. Right, right. Normalizing adoption in your household is really important, especially if you have both biological and adopted children under the same roof. In other words, if you have one child with blonde hair and one with red hair, Try to use the same philosophy with talk about being biological or adopted. You're not going to, you know, only put sunscreen on the redheaded child versus the blonde <laughs> child or, you know, take extra precautions with the adopted child that you wouldn't the biological child or vice versa. Keep it the same. Stop talking about how lucky you or your biological child or your adopted child is because you wouldn't do that if you have a biological child. So if you're adopt, right. you're lucky because you have an adopted child, but you're not lucky because you have a biological child, you're lucky because you're a parent. So maybe focus on, on how blessed you are at being a parent rather than whether you're adopted or biological. Right. Again, take that out of the equation. Correct. Be mindful of what you say or do. If you have adopted a black baby and you're white parents, you know, don't buy the baby a white doll buy a black doll or vice versa. If you are black parents that adopted a white baby, buy the white baby. Don't buy, you know, the baby doll. Like it, like be considerate and mindful. It's, and if, if your black baby wants the white baby, then buy the white baby. It's not. Or vice versa. Right. Correct. And so it's not just being mindful of, of the differences, but not necessarily pointing them out. Mm -hmm. You know, just be one step ahead, like 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 a chess game. Always be one step ahead of it. Teach your child how to celebrate differences and similarities. If your adopted child says, why don't I have the same hands as you? And this is a common one I hear all the time from families. Maybe respond that although you don't have the same hands, you both love Chinese food or you both really love to draw. Or maybe talk about all of the things that are the same on the inside. You know, you both have the same heart and you have a lot of the same things going on in your brain and you have, you know, those things are the same Mm -hmm. rather than what you can see. So parenting an adopted child doesn't need to be viewed as tricky or touchy or complicated. It should be viewed as adding in extra layers just to cement that solid parent-child relationship. You know, I think the most important aspects of parenting an adopted child, in my opinion, is just to ensure that unconditional love, the unconditional acceptance, unconditional forgiveness, 
permanence and stability. And they want that forever. They want, they want to know that you're going to be there through the thick and thin. And, you know, any child wants that, but especially an adopted child, because they already didn't have that once. And so they want to make sure that you're always going to be there. And so when you're parenting, parent from that approach. And I think that way you can ensure that your child feels safe and loved. And that as a parent is always our goal. According to Oprah Winfrey, biology is the least of what makes someone a mother or a father for that matter. I added that part. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. If you're listening and you're dealing with an unplanned pregnancy and want more information about adoption, Building Arizona Families is a local Arizona adoption agency and available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. That's 623-695-4112. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or just get you more information. You can also find out more information about Building Arizona families on their website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thanks also go out to Grapes for allowing us to use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to us. We'd really appreciate it. We also now have a website at birthmothermatterspodcast.com. Tune in next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines. <laughs>